I, uh, we are deeply blessed as a church to be able to have music like that every week. And uh, I praise the Lord. Here's what I'm asking God to do, folks. I'm asking for God to do a fresh work in this service, but I'm asking him to do what he did in the first service. We've got some kids ready to go to, to children's church, don't we? Let's give them a good welcome and uh, the kids up to third grade. If you'd like to worship, let's praise the Lord for them. And looking at the crowd uh, a little bit, I, I see the Baileys uh, had a new grandbaby. Amen. And also I see Joyce and Jim Armstrong, I believe. And God bless you all. I know this loss is painful for all of you. But, uh, you know, uh, Joyce would be Albert's niece, Agnes's daughter. And without knowing your mom and dad, which I think their names were Goldie and Homer, they must have been wonderful people to have kids like you all. And Amanda, uh, your mom and Amanda and Albert. So we pray, we pray for all of you. Amen. Let's start off like this. Let me see your Bible. Okay, that's good. If you don't have a Bible, there should be a red one in front of you, okay? If you don't have a Bible at home and would like one, go ahead and take that as a gift from the church. But I want us to open to John chapter 20. The sound folks will do the best they can to hang with us because we're gonna bounce from 20 to 19, okay? Hasn't the Lord given us a great, beautiful Sunday morning to worship? Amen. Amen. And I want to share with you before we begin, I, I was a little, I thought I was in trouble Wednesday evening in the prayer meeting. Hey, those kids are ready to roll, aren't they? Joe Kramer stepped in for me. I've uh, been battling a little bit of cough, and I'm doing good. Um, and Renee and I sat back about where Sarah is, and Joe said, uh, fill in for Brother Greg. I, it's pa Passion Week. We're going to teach on the cross and the resurrection. Amen. Let's look at the Gospel of John. And when Joe said that, for our guest, Joe is a, a, he's a theologian. And I'm thinking, Joe, Joe, you're killing me for Sunday. And I said this to Renee, Joe's gonna steal my thunder. And then I thought, how arrogant of a statement is something like that? Joe's gonna steal my thunder. Let me tell you something, folks. The gospel is the thunder of the Lord Jesus Christ. The word of God is the word of God, amen? Hey, there's no way to change and make the Easter story better after preaching it 30 years to you. It's the gospel of Jesus. Carmen, it's good to see you down here. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. We all need something. If you're here and you don't know Christ as your savior, listen to me, church family, Christians, pray that I introduce him well this morning. 
if you're here and you're a Christian and you're just feeling, man, man my relationship with Christ just doesn't seem to be what it used to be or, or boy, I sure could use a revival, then pray that the Lord speaks to you because we all have needs. Uh, Friday night, our, our son-in-law, many of you know, is a pastor uh, in New Madison, Kyle and Stacy. they had a Passover service. And at the end of the service, Kyle had everybody bow their heads and ask this question. If you're going through a tough time in your life right now, doesn't matter what it is, doesn't matter what age you are, with every head bowed, raise your hand. And just as some hands are popping up here, Friday night, the hand of our six-year-old grandson went up, front row. I'm thinking, boy, Jordy must be going through some tough times, six years old. He, he didn't understand it. But what a great picture for us. Because many times our hand needs to go up and our heads need to be bowed and our knees need to hit the floor and we need to recognize we need a good word. We need a good word. And I believe this morning when we look at the Gospel of John, here it is for us one more time. And the title of the message is Forever Changed. I wanna ask you the question, have your, have your, has your life, have you ever been forever changed? Years ago, some family in our church uh, went through the adoption process and introduced me to a term called forever family. I love that term, forever family. And if you're here today and you're a Christian, you're in the forever family of God. And if you're here today and maybe you're searching, let me tell you something, our world is searching. The news is not good. The answer for man's problems is not man himself. And folks, I, listen, I don't, I don't believe God's finished with us yet. And my prayer is that he'll do a fresh work in, in our nation and it has to begin in one person's heart at a time. One church, one community, one family. So love's greatest story is about being changed forever. Forever. The empty tomb follows the cross beginning with verse one, chapter 20, the book of John. If you're with me, say amen. Here we go. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early. While it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb, and she ran and came to Simon Peter to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb. We did not know where they've laid him. Peter therefore went out and the other disciple and were going to the tomb. So they both ran together and the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. And he stooping down, looking in, saw. He stooping down, looking in. What do we already know? That John was faster than Peter. But we also know something about John here. The Bible says he stooping down, looking in. And that's the picture of the tomb. We talked about this a few weeks ago. Uh, the garden tomb, when you get to the, the entrance, you step in, and then there's like two compartments. And the one they're talking about, the one they showed us and said, most likely this is where Jesus was, it's the perfect description of John's gospel. He's stooping at that outside door, looking in. 
the linen cloths lying there, yet he didn't go in. And here comes Peter. Then Peter came, following him, and went in. This is a picture of Peter. And went in. Goes into the tomb, sees the linen clothes lying there, and the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying in the linen cloths, but folded together in a place by itself. Uh, Listen to me, folks. Most commentators will tell you this is a picture that Jesus' body wasn't quickly removed from a a tomb in order to to make everybody think he's alive, that this is a, a, a orchestrated event that Jesus came forth from the tomb himself. The other disciple who came into the tomb first went in also, and he saw and believed, for as yet they did not know the scripture. They didn't understand that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away again into their own home. Chapter 20 is about a resurrection. It's about a resurrection that is promised, and it's about a Savior who goes to a cross. The Old Testament is filled with description of what Jesus would complete and fulfill in the New Testament. Let me give you just a few of the things. First of all, Jesus would be obedient to the will of the Father. The Bible says in Psalm chapter 40, verse 8, I delight to do your will, O my God, and your law is within my heart. Now, if you have your Bible open, back up to John chapter 18. Look at verse 11. Let's, let's, let's walk, it up to, walk it up here. Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane now. This same Peter who is raced to the tomb is with Jesus. They're coming to take him, and, and this Peter is going to protect him. And he draws his sword and cuts the ear of the soldier off. This Jesus who rose from the grave knew that the cross had to happen. And the Bible says he heals the man and then says to Peter, put your sword in the sheath. Shall I not drink the cup which my father has given me? Jesus would fulfill and obey the Father. But we also recognize that Jesus, in announcing himself in the New Testament three times prior to the cross of what would take place, was a picture of what was announced in the Old Testament in Numbers chapter 21. Because of sin, the children of Israel were dying, and the Lord said to Moses, make a fiery serpent, put it on a pole, and and it shall be that everyone who is bitten when he looks at it shall live. And I want to remind you that's a picture of the cross of Calvary. That when you place your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. When you place your faith, hey, come on, wait, hey, get, let, let's, let's praise the Lord this morning for saving us. And when any preacher and any Sunday school teacher tells you about the cross of Calvary and you're a satisfied customer in Jesus Christ, it ought to beckon an amen for me. Yeah. 
My folk, listen to me, folks. The world is searching for what many of you have. They're, they're looking for hope, and they're wondering. Uh, no one's ever told me about the cross. No one's ever told me that that was God in the flesh dying for my sin. But yet the Old Testament, hundreds and hundreds of years passed, and the, now in the new, the prophecy was being fulfilled in Jesus Christ. You know, the Bible says in the Old Testament that Jesus would die in place of the people. Isaiah 53, 4, and 4 through 6, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement for, uh, the chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. And we're all like sheep going astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity, listen to this, of us all. Of us all. So you might be here today, and, and maybe you're a guest. Um, maybe you've not been able to get out in a while. We're glad to see you. I see Sandy Melling here. Praise the Lord. Maybe you're here today and you got somebody with you. Amen. Maybe you're here today and, and you say, oh, man. I haven't, been to, I haven't been to that church since COVID. Or I haven't been to that church since last Easter. Well, praise the Lord you're here today. Praise the Lord you're here today. Because when I look at the cross, and Joe reminded us of this Wednesday, when I look at the cross, he, listen, he died in my place. And I love the fact that Barb changed the purple linen to white. And you may have a crucifix in your home. Uh, when I went to the Holy Land, uh, I brought one back with Jesus on the cross. I want to remind you, he's not on the cross. He's alive. The Bible also says he would die with evildoers. We know that. We know that. The Bible says in Isaiah 53, 12, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong because he poured out his soul unto death. He will be numbered with the transgressors. And then in John, look at John chapter 19. Verse 18, and while they crucified him and two others with him, one on either side and Jesus in the center, Pilate wrote a title, put it on the cross, and the writing was Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. And it was written in Hebrew, Greek, and Latin. It was then they had it right. Pilate had it right. And I tell you, folks, every time we get to Easter season, I always think about Pilate. Because Pilate, over and over again, says, I find no fault in Jesus, yet nowhere in Scripture do we find anything about Pilate trusting Jesus. So you can be here today and know a lot about faith, know a lot about Easter, know a lot about the cross, but still not know Jesus. And in just a few minutes, I'll give an invitation and today can be your forever changed day. I love this week, by the way, April 9th. April 13th is when I got saved in a revival. So when Cody says we're going to have a revival, that's one reason we're going to have a revival. And I was a church kid, just like many of you, sitting miserable. 
because I was, I, was, I was not running the right direction. I always told you that sports was my God when I was a, when I was a student. When I found out, boy, I tell you, when I found out that there was not much demand for 5, 10, 140-pound guards in the NBA, my life came crashing down. But that was kind of who I was. And boy, I gave my life to Christ in a revival. You know what? I'm, I'm, I've made it my mission. T.D. Hall was the evangelist. He's still alive. T.D. Hall is related to James Robinson. Some of you remember when he was full-go evangelist. I believe one of the best preachers in the country. Uh, I'm going to find him this week. He's got a ministry, and I'm going to contact them and reach out and say, you have no clue who I am, but 47 years ago on a Tuesday night in a little church in Dayton, I'm a boy that got saved, and you were the preacher. Boy, wouldn't that make a preacher feel good? Amen. I'll, I'll never forget Logan White. Some of you got, have Logan Whites in your life. They just need you to hang, hang around a little bit after church. They just need you to hang around a little bit. If you're with me, say amen. He'd be buried with the evildoers, and he would, bear, he would be killed in innocence. Isaiah 53, 9, and they made his grave with the wicked, with the wicked. And then if you look at John chapter 19, look down, verse 6, therefore when the chief priests and officers saw him, they cried out saying, crucify, crucify him. Pilate said, you take him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. See, Pilate's like a lot of us. He just doesn't do anything with Jesus. So listen, don't you leave Easter Sunday and think that you did God a favor by coming to church. You leave Easter Sunday, you leave today loving him more than you've ever loved him. And recognize that he loves you more than you ever thought he loved you. I love, I love the fact, Tim. I love the fact that he can forever change somebody. Change is hard on people, is it not? Renee, I'm hard to change. Renee's hard to change. And, and being married 40 years this year, I still can't figure her out at times. Folks, our kids are 37 and 35. And she stayed up to whatever hour finishing their Easter baskets. There comes a time... When you got to grow up. And, and somebody after the first service said, Boy, that was good. That was a good point, Brother Greg, about kids growing up and, and the Easter basket thing because this is their last year. And I said to the one who said this was going to be her last year, I'm your best friend then. Right? He'd be buried in a rich man's tomb. He'd be buried in a rich man's tomb. Now, that brings us to the point. Debbie, Debbie, kill me just for a sec. Thank you. 
John chapter 19. Now hang on, okay, because we get rolling quick here. If you're with me, say amen. Jesus has been crucified. He's dead. It is finished. Now, in the Gospels, we read about seven things Jesus says from the cross. You're familiar with most. In Luke's account, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. To the thief, today you will be with me in paradise. Okay, let me just, let me just lay this out there. Today you will be with me in paradise, from Jesus to the thief on the cross, wrecks a lot of people's the theology. Today you'll be with me on the, in paradise. He didn't have time to be baptized. He didn't walk down any aisle, go through any membership class. Didn't have any time to produce good works. Jesus said, today you'll be with me. Let me tell you something. You're saved by the grace of God. And don't you ever think that because of what you're doing somehow is enough for Jesus. Because I'm telling you, we can never do enough to be saved in the first place. And when you give your life to Jesus, you're not gonna get over it. You'll wanna live for him and you'll wanna serve him. That work stuff will take care of itself. But we get that backwards. We think that somehow the working is what makes it happen. Some of you are here today and say, I've not given my life to Christ because there are some things I can't quit. See, what you're thinking is you've got to get good enough to be saved. You're still, you're still relying on yourself. You still think that what you have to offer God is somehow of value. Jesus said, I've taken care of that. And when your life is forever changed, your life will look like a Christian. Hey, some of you folks have been here for a while. You remember the sermon years ago, playing games at the foot of the cross? That's what the soldiers were doing. And if we're not careful, we as believers can do the same thing. We can do the same thing. So these seven statements from Calvary, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Today you will be with me in paradise. Into your hands I commit my spirit. Oh, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We read about three more right here in the book of John. And in 19, look at verse 25. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing by, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son, and then to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her to do his, to his own home. The consequence and compassion, I wanna give you three C's. The consequence of sin, the compassion he had for his mother, and the complete isolation from the father at Calvary 
reminds us of how much he loves us. I thirst from the cross. The living water in his humanity cries out in thirst. It is finished. Aren't you glad when you finish things? You know, I used to work at the post office, and one of the, the good things about the post office was I was a mail processor, was when we were done with the mail, we, we were done. The day was over. So you worked overtime if there's a lot of mail, and if not, when the day's over, you're done. It is finished. From Jesus, from the cross. It is finished is an interesting term. Many of you have heard the word telestai. It means it, it was always finished, once and for all. It was a term used in everyday life. A servant would report to the master, I have completed the task, it is finished. When a priest would find an acceptable sacrifice, it is finished. An artist or an author would finish the painting or the writing, it is finished. But perhaps the most meaningful use of the word comes from merchants. Listen carefully. The debt is paid in full. Write, write that down somewhere, paid in full. When Jesus said it is finished, the mission, the price paid for sin, satisfied God. It met the righteous demands of a holy God. Joe used the word, reminded us of what the word propitiation means. It met the demands of God. That's what Jesus did. You see, in the Old Testament, the Old Testament sacrifice could only cover sin. Not take it away. John 1.29, as John the Baptist saw Jesus coming toward him. He said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's good news. That's good news. But I want to close with someone that God touched Joe's heart with Wednesday night, and he skipped over him. He answered my prayer as I sat there. Verse 38, chapter 19. After this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly, for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him permission. So he came and took the body of Jesus. And Nicodemus, I want you to circle Nicodemus, who at first came to Jesus by night, also came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes with about 100 pounds. And they took the body of Jesus. They bound it in strips of linen with the spices as the custom of the Jews is to bury. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden. And in the garden, a new tomb, which no one had yet been laid. So they laid Jesus because of the Jews' preparation day, for the tomb was nearby. 
So with your Bible open, I want you to turn to John chapter three. John chapter three, and we're just about done. If you're with me, say amen. All right. John chapter three, verse one. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God. No one can do these things, these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Here is a religious man coming to Jesus at night with some good questions. With some good questions. And Jesus tells him the truth. You must be born again. And he says, how, how, can, it, how can you be born again? How can I enter my mother's womb again? And Jesus says, well, we're born of, of, of flesh, but you have to be born of the Spirit. And then look down at John 3, 16. A lot of times we forget John 3, 16 is in the story of Nicodemus. So I want us in this sanctuary this morning, I want us to quote John 3, 16 out loud. You ready? Go ahead. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He heard a message, but here is the sad thing about John chapter three. We don't read of a forever changed moment in his life. All right, let's go to John chapter seven. And I'll take you to verse 45, John seven forty-five. Then the officers came to the chief priest and Pharisees, Nicodemus, who said to them, why have you not brought him? And the officers answered, no man ever spoke like this man. Then the Pharisees answered to them, are you also deceived? Have any of the rulers or the Pharisees believed in him? But this crowd that does not know the law is accursed. And then verse 50 says, Nicodemus, he who came to Jesus by night, being one of them, said to them, does our law judge a man before it hears him and knows what he's doing? They answered and said to him, are you also from Galilee? Search and look, for no prophet has arisen out of Galilee. Oh, something's starting to change, I believe, from chapter three to chapter seven. Because in chapter 19, he is there post-cross. He's there post-grave. Folks, I believe that between chapter three and the cross, that Nicodemus' life was radically changed by Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, in chapter seven, they begin to ask him questions. They're asking him the Peter questions that's, who's following Jesus to the cross. Are you one of his? Are you one of his? Uh, let me, let me uh, you have your outline in front of you, I think. The Nicodemus from John 3 and John 7 and John 19, let me tell you something. Confusion at night became a confession in the daylight. 
the questions that he had for Jesus, he was, Jesus was more than able to answer with his life. And I believe his life was radically changed as we see him in John chapter 19 with Joseph of Arimathea. Let me tell you something. When you feel like the burdens of your life, when, you, when the cross that God has called you to bear feels like more than you can handle, when you're not getting the answer uh, or of relief or in time, let me tell you something. You might be here this morning and you're praying for a miracle. When you walk away, not seeing a decision made, listen, not knowing, Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer. And, and, and we'll just close with this. Number three, in the darkness of Jesus' burial, light was going to show the world. The grave would be temporary. It would be temporary. Why? Because Jesus is alive. You see, in John chapter 3, Nicodemus had an encounter with Jesus. In John chapter 7, he was an encourager because he had been an observer. He had been watching Jesus. And in John chapter 9, let me tell you, he is an emotional embalmer. His life had been forever changed. You see, it's in the darkness of the burial. Light was going to show that this was just a temporary thing. Jesus is alive. And I want to tell you this morning that cross builds is the only bridge to heaven. Make sure you understand something. We don't worship the cross. We worship the king on the cross, Jesus. And he died on the cross so that you and I could be forgiven and that you and I could be saved. I don't know if I'm, I'm starting to repeat myself as your pastor, forgive me. Some of you folks have been here a long time, heard me tell the same story thousand times. But there is a song, Debbie, that says, I'd like to meet the preacher who prayed for the preacher who prayed with me down on my knees. You see, God has used people in your life. He's orchestrated it. And God has used people in your life this week to bring you to Easter service. And maybe you're here today and God is just kind of tugging on your heart, reminding you that you can leave here a little closer to him than you came. So I'm gonna ask us to stand just as quietly as we can and bow our heads. Every head bowed. Most important part of the service right now. It's not over right now. Oh, I remember that, that Tuesday night for me. <coughs> that Tuesday night. <clears throat> Devil was working hard right now. But if you're, here to, if you're here in this service and you know you're saved, I'm not asking you if you've been perfect. I'm asking you if you know you're saved. Thank God for the cross. Thank God for the cross. Let this Sunday be a Sunday of revival. Let this Sunday be a Sunday of return. Let this Sunday be a Sunday to remind you that the Christian life is more than talking about it. But if you're here today 
and you're unsure that you're a Christian, that you're unsure that if you're saved, you're unsure that if you were to die, heaven would be your home. And you wanna be sure. I'm talking to you right now. Say, Brother Greg, how do I know? Is your heart about to explode? You feel like you've been the only one I've been preaching to this morning? Then that might be the Holy Spirit of God, okay? So what I need to do, first of all, we need to recognize that we're sinners. We all are. So you pray in your heart, dear God, I realize I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sin. And now, Lord, I get it. That's why you died on the cross because I was hopeless. And you offer salvation as a gift. Lord, I receive it. Please come into my heart right now, right here, and forever change me. Oh God, there's so much work to do in my life. You're gonna have to help me live this life. You're gonna have to help me do it. But your word says you can. So I place my faith in you. Jesus' name I pray. And Lord, as we continue this invitation for any believer, maybe someone saw Logan baptized. Hey, if you want to be baptized today, you come on, we'll do it. Maybe God's calling you. So I want you to look at me before we sing. Why do we give an invitation? It's certainly not to embarrass anybody, but it's an opportunity for us to respond to what God is doing in our hearts. So that night a long time ago as a 14-year-old boy, the preacher gave an invitation similar to what I've done. And on the first verse of the first song, I stepped from my pew, said, Pastor, I need to be saved. See, I didn't pray it like we just did. I prayed it when I came forward. So if you prayed and you meant that this morning, listen, I don't care who you are. You might be first person, first time you've ever been here. And maybe you've been through all that uncomfortable things of visiting a church. Man, I applaud you, you're here. Or maybe you've been in this church a long time. And it's something you need to take care of for a long time. You just don't want anybody to know that it was never settled. Let me tell you something. An invitation is a time to celebrate what God does. And that's what church families do. Praise the Lord. So we're going to sing. If you've given your life to Christ, I invite you to come. Cody's going to come and help me. I invite you to come. We're not going to make you say anything. We're not going to baptize you this morning unless you want to. We're going to celebrate. If you want to come and pray, you feel free to pray. I love this song Marcia picked out. Let's sing it. Lift your voice. You come if you need to come. I hear the Savior say, Thy strength indeed is small. Child of weakness, won't you pray?
this morning amen your neighbor will come with you your, your, your loved one will come with you if, you if you did okay don't worry about that let's sing that chorus Jesus one 